Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome back this week to my uh, my podcast. Ho- hopefully, everyone's week went well and your day's going well. I'll open up this uh, podcast with a prayer. Father, we um, we thank you for your goodness, Father. We thank you uh, for all your blessings that you you have bestowed upon us, oh Father. I thank you, O Father, that you are moving in ways that we can't see, Father, that we can't even imagine, O Father. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your salvation, sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I thank you, O Father, for your word and your promises, Father Lord. Um, um, pray, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would use me this evening, O God, uh, as I uh, go through my notes, Father Lord, and, and, and your word, O God. Guide me and direct me this evening, and I'll open my heart and open up to listen to hearts too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. Well, I feel confident now that I can go on with the strength of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're talking uh, again about the Daniel fast, and I know I, I call it the Daniel fast, but I'm not really focusing on the food. Though that is important I'm really focusing on The things that Daniel did Besides uh, his fasting Or uh, abstaining from certain foods And the two scriptures I'm using Is uh, the first one is from Daniel Chapter 10 verses 2 through 3 And that one it says In in those days I, Daniel, was mourning Three full weeks Right, no pleasant foods no meat or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. That's Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 to 3. And this is uh, the other main scripture, was this, uh, which is Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. It says, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. And in that Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, those those are uh, the, the uh, three main teachings I have been focused, focused on. In the first very first podcast, we talked about setting our heart to understand or setting our heart towards God. That's whenever you want to go before the Lord, our Father, um, you want to have a, a goal in mind. Daniel's goal was to have understanding for what was going to happen to his people. And the second thing that he did when he went before our father is uh, that he humbled himself. We talked about that last week, about ways you can humble yourself and how humbled, being humble before the Lord is is uh, totally different between uh, walking in pride. And we did a comparison and cro- contrast on that one. And this this final one is uh is uh it says your words were heard and I have come because of your words. And we all know that whenever you pray is um you have these words to pray. So that's what we're talking about, that uh the words that you were using. Um and in Daniel chapter nine is uh, actually one of the scriptures that I took out, Daniel chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. 
this is like a little kind of snapshot of what he was saying, and I want to read that one also. Daniel chapter 9, nine verses uh, 3 through 6. Then I set my face towards the Lord to make a request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servant, your servant the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. And right here, that uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses uh, 3 through 6, we see um, that we just kind of like read through the scripture. Um, and we just looking at the words, but you have to go behind the heart of the matter. It's whenever you pray, also it's not really so much in the uh, emotion or that you're exp- expressing outwardly, like you're uh, maybe yelling <laughs> or screaming or even talking quietly when you pray or however you pray. That right there, God is he's not really looking at the outwardness of the prayer, but he always is looking at what's going on with the heart. And it says in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, that uh, Daniel set his heart to understand. So when he he was praying this, we're not sure what his tone of voice is, but we know that uh, there was there was sincerity in these words he was saying. Um, also in this Daniel chapter 9, we see uh, or two things that I really got from this is we see that Daniel is inner half the people. Um, and we see this because he, in the verse, verse he says that uh, we have sinned, and he's confessing all these things that not just he he has done, but all the people of God, the children, the children of Israel. He was talking about we didn't we didn't even listen to your prophets that you sent, and the kings and princes, and we we didn't hear any of those voices and. Uh, Daniel himself, he, he was a, a righteous man, and a lot of these things that he was repenting and saying wasn't really necessarily about himself, though he, I'm pretty sure he had areas like that where he could say that about himself. So we see that Daniel is in the state of intercession uh, for the people, for the people of Israel. And that word intercede means that uh, to act or intervene in behalf of someone else's in, in behalf of someone else in a difficulty or trouble. It also means to attempt to reconcile differences between two people or groups. So we see Daniel, he's trying to reconcile a difference between uh, our Heavenly Father and and the people of God, the children, because it was it was a broken relationship because they wasn't uh, listening to the father who sent prophets and sent different messengers and they wasn't listening, they was rebelling and they found themselves in a situation where they needed someone to intercede on behalf of them. And that was that in this case, it was uh, Daniel, actually it was other uh, 
men of God also. Um, and we see Daniel, in a sense, he was uh, standing in the gap. And a very common scripture that I refer to standing in the gap is uh, Ezekiel 22, verse, verse 30. Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it says, uh, I look for someone among them who will build up the wall and stand before me in a gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have destroyed so that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And here we see that our Heavenly Father and this Ezekiel, he was he was looking for someone. It's like um almost like uh when you look in, in the newspaper for help wanted and you can you can see Ezekiel twenty two verse thirty, and I believe that is the case still today that God is taking applications for people who would uh who would stand in a gap, who would intercede on behalf of friends, family, nations, the whole world, you know, who would who would uh in a sense stand in a gap in, in prayer and repentance before our Father so that we can turn away from the things of the world. And so the Ezekiel 22 verse 30 is also an example of what I was referencing earlier. Uh, someone who's uh, standing in the gap or someone who is interceding or interceding and God is looking for people who would uh, walk in a uh, intercessory prayer. And that's uh, anyone can do that. A child can do it until someone just, uh, a, a grandfather, a grandmother, a, a pastor, a bishop, or whatever title it is, a woman, man, anyone can be can do this intercessory prayer. Um, some of the examples from my scripture that I've seen where uh, people were um, interceding on behalf of someone else, just as some other examples to help you understand it better was uh, I thought about uh, Jacob and Esau, and I'll I'm sure you're very familiar with that story where uh, Jacob had actually taken the uh, birthright from Esau, and then uh, he kind of he kind of left where Esau was. And uh, years and years and years, many years later, Jacob hadn't seen his brother Esau, and Jacob was actually on his way back to the land, and uh, he knew that uh, he was going to have to meet up with his brother Esau. And this leads us to uh, Genesis chapter 32, and we'll start in verse 3. Genesis chapter 32, and it's uh, verse 3 through uh, 8. <clears throat> it says, uh, in verse 3, it says, Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Syria in the land of Edom. And he told them, give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I have been living with Uncle Laban. And now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks, and flocks of sheep, and goats, and many servants, both men and women. And I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. So in these first couple of uh, verses, we see uh, Jacob is sending a group of people to uh, intercede between him and Esau because their relationship 
is uh, broken because of the uh, birthright issue. And they haven't seen each other in years. So Jacob is uh, sending these uh, messengers. So we see inter- intercession. Uh, in verse 6, it says, and after delivering the message, the messengers, they so they want to go see Esau. And this is what they said. The messengers returned to Jacob and they reported, we have met your brother Esau and in, he is already on his way to meet you with 400 men. And so it says, with an army of 400 men. And it says in uh, verse 7, Jacob was terrified at the news. So right here, uh, even though Jacob was trying to have like some type of intercession going on with the messengers, we see that uh, Esau, he was, he was really, he was still angry about what had happened. And he was ready to uh, sort of destroy Jacob. And that's going back to that Ezekiel 22, verse 30, where it says, I look for someone among them who will build up the wall, who who will stand in the gap on behalf of the land. In this case, it was on behalf of Jacob that I would not have destroyed, even though that's the Heavenly Father is talking. It's kind of like the same type of, uh, well, you need someone to intercede because Esau has come over 400 men so he can destroy Jacob. So, um, in verse 7, Jacob was terrified, and he divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. Okay, so he divided them into two groups. And he thought if Esau met one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can escape. So uh, here we see uh, Jacob is sending another group of uh, intercessors because <laughs> this army of men is still coming against them. So he's thinking, okay, maybe the other one could escape if I just kind of split them up into two different groups. And uh, anyway, this right here, this is another example. So we as believers, believers, and when we, whenever we go before our father, you know, there are people who who um, who are in fellowship with us, or in our maybe it's our neighbor, or our mother, whoever it may be, and that uh, they they may not know our heavenly Father in that way, or they they may have walked away from them, or whatever the case may be. Whenever we come into prayer and repentance for the things we have done, and, and for the things that they have done too, that's when we're we're in a place where we're standing in a gap where when we're uh, interceding, we're, we're admitting, okay, what was done wrong, what uh, they what they done wrong. But, again, it's not not just the words, you, the words that you say, but it's the intention of the heart because you could be uh, crying and you can be like one of those people that have the uh, croc- crocodile tears. You know, you're kind of crying because that, that's what you, uh, you're thinking that you're showing to yourself is sincere. But you could be crying, too, and you you are very sincere, sincere you know. So it all boils down to we got to set our heart, make our heart right. We uh, had to be- we ourselves had to believe that whenever we're interceding for someone, like Danny, we have to believe in our words and what we're saying that they, that they are true. And that's what I want to focus on. It talks about Daniel that he mourned for three or four weeks. 
and that he he mourned he he mourned mourning whenever some of the interchangeable words in scripture you see mourning you see weeping a lot of times in, in uh, scripture and whenever you see like that especially that word mourning it, it usually is followed by uh, someone is mourning because something terribly has happened or or someone has died those are are examples of mourning in uh genesis uh, chapter 37 verse 34 it says uh, jacob mourned for many days because jacob the reason why he was mourning because uh his son he thought like he, his son had uh died or whatever also another case of uh People mourning it. These there's were many other ones, but these are some of the ones that kind of jumped out to me. Was uh, in Nehemiah, actually it's in the first chapter, uh, verses two through four. I'll read that one to you. Nehemiah chapter one, verses two through four. It says, Ananiah or Ana, one of my brothers came to visit me and some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down Gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, and this is Nehemiah, he's talking about when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And this right here is, is all, it's all going back to that scripture, Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, because we see for days that he mourned, he fasted, and he he wasn't crying just with a hopeless morning or crying, but he prayed to the God of heaven. So he was he was directing his morning and his praying to not just something or not just any someone, but to someone our, our Father who can do any who who can do something about it, you know. So that was his his uh, direction or his goal, and actually he uh, he had a uh, it, it, this is one of those. He was mourning for months because of the actually in that in that uh, it was five months later that the king had asked him. I guess because the king had been noticing that he was mourning, and it was five months later that the king asked him, uh, Nehemiah, why why is your heart trouble? What's going on? Why you, why is your countenance? Why is your face like that? And then he went on to tell him with with uh, the the report. And then that's how he was able to go back uh, and help get all the resources and all that to build up, build up the wall and things like that. But he mourned, fasted, and prayed, and it's months and months and months and months. And not again, not just just mourning and crying because oh, okay, it says that in the Bible that we should do that. No, because he he uh, felt it in his heart. It was uh, it was uh, sincere. And I believe we as a people of God, you know, children children of God, children of the Heavenly Father, when we get like the uh, the reports on the television news or the the reports of, of whatever is going on in the world, that even in our 
our family, you know, you know, we should be, um, especially when it's, it's bad and negative things, it's always happening. We, sometimes we do get depressed and do, we do kind of mourn, but whenever we mourn, we should do it with a, a direction or purpose to our Father who's in heaven instead of being hopeless. And I'm, I want to get to that one later because I'm kind of moving ahead a little bit. Um, but we should we should mourn with the direction. And uh, Nehemiah was mourning and interceding for the people on, on behalf of the people. And he was directing it to whom? Our, our Father who was in heaven. So that, that's important. That's important as you um, fast and pray that you have direction, that you have intent, and is uh, in your heart, you know. Um, Daniel chapter, I'm mean, no, sorry, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1, is uh, another example of mourning. And this is Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Now, on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with uh, fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. So they fastened sackcloth and dust on their heads. So they was in this state or preparation or whatever uh, morning. And then, then verse 2, it says, Then those of the Israelites landed, separated themselves from all other foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their father, did in their place. So the first thing is that they did, and they uh, confessed not only just their sins, but the sins of their father, so the ones who came before them and their, and their generations before them. And they did this in total humility to our Father in heaven. And like, Father, we 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 uh, done these things wrong against you. We have not walked in your law. We have not listened to your prophets. Verse three says, and they stood up on their in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one fourth of the day. So they did that for one-fourth of the day. And I got to add in that up in my head. One-fourth of the day is uh, was 24 hours in a day. So that's six hours. So six hours they was reading the book of the law. And not just reading it, but they were standing in their place. So this right here is kind of like when you read in a word, just they, they was reminding themselves uh, with uh, their father and with Moses and you know, it was written down. So they and they did that for six hours. That's a long time. And they didn't stop there. And for another fourth of the day, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. So that was another six hours. <laughs> you know, so that's uh, that's half of the day they spent before the presence of our Father. Father, that that is some commitment of about. Fast and it, and it and it's um it's, it's just for the children, from the children all all, all of them, all, the whole nation was like that for twelve hours. They was in a, a worshiping and, and confessing mode before the presence of their father and turning their hearts back to him. Um, another scripture 
with the king of the man in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And it says, Then the Lord said, I have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in Egypt, and I have heard them cry out. So there right there, I heard them cry out. That's, that's mourning because they were being abused, tortured, killed. Who knows what by the Egyptians? They was, they was just being basically persecuted. And it says, I heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. And it says, our Father in heaven, he, he heard their prayer, he heard the cry, he heard the warning. And this is what they were saying, rescue us, rescue us, save us from these people. And he says, I know all about their suffering, and I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out of Egypt to a spacious land, one which is rich and fertile, and which the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites now live. I have indeed heard the cry of my people, and I see how the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now I am sending you, and he's talking about Moses, king of Egypt, so that you can leave my people out of this country. So this right here is, again, an example of when. And um, uh, people crying out to the Lord because of a uh, slave driver. So um, those are just, there's actually many, many other examples of uh, people just mourning and crying before the Lord and on, on behalf of themselves, on behalf of people that are connected with them um, for uh, deliverance or salvation or whatever the case may be. Because uh, we see the scripture that there are many benefits when we uh, begin to mourn before our Father in heaven. We know that He uh, heals us, that He delivers us, and He will He will give us wisdom. He will He will make no mysteries. And it, it's not like a like a um a hopeless morning again. Or it's not like a a, a, a crying like morning like where you just pouting and pouting. But these are a directed morning, directed to our Father in heaven, because He says when we reach out to Him, when we draw near to Him, He's going to draw near to us. But also in Matthew five eleven, when Jesus was uh, giving the beatitudes. He said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And uh, we know that uh, in Scripture calls the uh, Holy Spirit the Comforter. So if you begin to uh, mourn as a people, as a nation, or just that, as an individual in our own situation or circumstances, God, our Father, He's going to manifest the very presence of the uh, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would uh, come to us, comfort us, give us strength, empower us to, to conquer, to, to destroy, to uproot whatever the situation or circumstance is, and, or just give us strength to go to go through it. However, our Father sees or pleases to uh, reveal himself in that situation. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. So if 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 you don't mourn, then the Holy Spirit he he will not 
even though he wants to, he he will not. Um, um, now, me, myself, uh, when I ever think about mourning and crying and, and all those type of things, especially I used to, say, why, why do I have to mourn or, or why do I have to, have to cry? And even if that, how, how can I, like, you know, like, I'm not like an actor where I can, like, muster up the tears. It's got to be something actually actually going on, you know. And you know, the question, why, why can't I mourn like this? Why, why can't I cry like this for the people? Because I know all these things, these terrible, horrible things is going on. And um, so I began to study it some more. And, and one one thing that uh, for me, I put the one reason why people don't mourn for the things they see on uh, television or things that might happen within their environment is uh we don't know tomorrow. We we haven't been taught the more. Um an example from scriptures, uh the uh people of Nineveh. Uh they didn't know that they were walking in disobedience. So uh, our father, so gracious, so merciful and kind, he uh sent Jonah and Jonah he uh actually did not want to go but we know what happened, he eventually went on to go. And uh Jonah chapter one verse two, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah once he got there, he did that. And we know what happened. That the people, all the people in Nineveh they uh, repented. They were they were fasting, and because once they found out or understood that they were in a place of uh, wickedness and unrighteousness, they turned away and they began to mourn, like, "Oh, Father, we can't believe we were doing this." And and God tells them in the very last chapter, God tells Jonah in the very last chapter the reason why He sent them. In the very last, um, I'm sorry, the very last verse in the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, this also the last chapter, chapter 2, Jonah four eleven. he says, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and even animals. I mean, this is much livestock. So our, our father, you know, he cared. He cared about the animals too. But what he was saying is that there, there are people in Nineveh, like 120,000 of them. They don't know what kind of situation they're in. They left the right is speaking of spiritually. It's like they don't know right and wrong or darkness and light. So why, why shouldn't I have mercy upon them and give them understanding and so one one reason we don't mourn or confess or repent is because uh, we don't have that uh, understanding of, of the situation or, or circumstances that we're in. We're, we're kind of like uh, the children in Nineveh in a micro uh, situation. Like we, we don't know that we should be mourning over that situation or circumstance. And... Uh, Another reason I thought that, it, well, especially probably mostly with me, it is that, uh, and it might be applied to someone else too, that uh, we don't mourn is 
because of what Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 6 and also in chapter 8 is because that uh, men, they have a hard heart towards the things of our Father. And whenever our heart doesn't respond properly to a situation, our heart may be hardened. And we may have become dull to the uh, situation or circumstances. And basically, uh, a hard heart means that we kind of can be desensitized. Um, one example is kind of talking about just really when we, we watch the news in the morning. You can be like, oh man, that's, that's horrible what's going on. That's messed up or whatever. But it doesn't call, cause us to come into a, a place of a, a prayer or mourning for the situation, circumstance, or maybe it does cause us to be um, in a place of mourning, but we're not directing it towards any any anything. It's just useless words that we're saying, or like, oh man, that's that's horrible, that's bad, or we, this is a terrible situation. But we're not setting our heart to get understanding towards our Father in heaven. We're not mourning it in in a, in a, um, a spiritual, godly godly way, and that in that situation or that way or our heart becomes uh, hardened or our heart is hardened because there's so many things that we have repeatedly seen over and over and over again. It's just like our heart got hard, you know, and um, it don't feel like, okay, we don't, we don't want to mourn. And it, sometimes we, we like Jonah because Jonah, he actually wanted Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh to, to fail and destroy. He, he knew how horrible and wicked it is, but he, his heart was hard. He didn't really care. He was like, okay, I hope I hope they get messed up or whatever. And even when they was uh, repented or whatever and turned back to the father or turned towards the father because they had never known, Jonah was still kind of upset about that too. And that's when our father gave him that last scripture for then, uh, Jonah 4.11. He says, why shouldn't I have mercy? They don't even know left from right, you know. And so, um, we sometimes our heart is hard and we we can uh, mourn or whatever because we we've been uh, desensitized and our hearts been hardened to the things we have heard and seen because of uh, just just our uh, environment and that uh, that um you know that very very unfortunate situation because you know sometimes. <laughs> I uh I'm watching like even recently we have all these things going on with permit and uh and I'm just thinking, man, they have we the United States government, they have all this money and all this power and I'm just imagining if they all these parties are sitting there that they just work together and if they they uh I bet they could just transform the world, you know, instead of fighting each other. We could probably stop hunger, um, build bridges, build homes, stop homelessness, all these different things we could stop if uh, if we uh, – because we spend a lot, a lot of money on different things. That I know some things are uh, required because running a, a government is costly. But there's a lot of things that we're, we're – and we, we fight amongst each other. And I just imagine that the uh, government – working together, what would that be like if they just humbled themselves towards each other and worked together as a team, they could uh, transform the world. And I'm like, why, why can't they do that? And as I was thinking with that thought, I thought about our father. I wonder if he's thinking the same thing 
about me or listening to anything about uh, the church as a whole, you know. Uh, second Chronicles 714, he uh, says, scripture, he says, my people called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and hear their sins and heal their land. It says if, if my people, so sometimes we're talking about the government and what, and what they're doing, it's probably right, you know, all, all the things they're doing is not right, you know, our opinion and view is right, but we shouldn't be focused on them. Instead, we should be focused on us because they, they can actually only do so much, but we can do more things. <clears throat> As it says in Second Chronicles 7, 14, just by getting on our knees before our Father, and it says that He's He's actually going to be the one to, 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 to uh, forgive and to, to heal our land, you know. But we have to be the ones that uh, humble ourselves before Him, and that's all part of, of mourning, you know. Then in the Daniel prayer, what He was talking about in Daniel chapter nine, or, or the, the Daniel fast, and we know about this whole this whole um. That's is about using our words and this point is about this morning and how they want it. And some of the comments teaching that we know about Job 22, verse 28, it says we shall uh, decree a thing and it shall be established. And Mark 11, verse 23, it says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to those mountains, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt it in their heart, that's again going back to the heart thing, but believes what they say, say will happen, it will be done for them. So we, we know about decreeing and establishing things that, that our words have power, but it's, it's not just in our words, but it's got to be something that you know, can be seen, what can be heard, that you can be screaming, yelling it, or you can be like uh, remember uh, Samuel's Samuel's mother, before she was like, she wanted to have a son, and they, the uh, Eli, when she was drunk, but she was kind of whispering it. But it was all, and he thought she was drunk or whatever, but our father, he sees, and it's all about the heart, no matter how how you're expressing it physically, whether you're yelling and screaming to the top of your lungs, or whether you're on your knees crying or, or mourning or some way, it's all, it's all from the heart, and then sometimes in your heart, it may manifest to crying, it may manifest to Warning or, or using certain words or or yelling or or stomping or whatever it may be, or maybe just uh, whispering. You know, it, it all depends on how you, your personality, and your heart is. But the, the key thing is, uh, in order to be in a state of mourning, if if you're not in a state of mourning, if you've been desensitized, the question you must ask yourself is. Uh, how how can we soften our hearts so we can mourn? How how can we how can we soften our hearts so we that we can hear the things of our Father and hear what our Lord and Savior wants to do through us and and, uh, and for us? Um, one of one of the ways I I found out is out there, and though I'm, though I'm, I'm no expert in it, but you have to sort of kind of place yourself in that person's situation, like how would they feel if, if your house was burned or your community was burned or and, and things like that. But but our, our father, actually his son, 
our older brother, he he takes it a step further. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, Hebrews 4, 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So this right here is how Jesus, he has a soft heart towards us. Is because he actually put himself in our shoes. He came down from the greater to to uh, to be a servant. A lot of times in this uh, life and how we were trained as a child, as we taught, uh, we're taught that uh, we want to climb up the ladder of success and be the man in charge, so we can uh, be in a position where we're we're telling other people to do, so we can do less. But uh, our father, our father sent his son. And they all operated on the same level, you know, the same mindset, Jesus. And uh, it, his thing is um, to be a servant and to be placed in other person's shoes and know how they feel. That's what Hebrews 4, 15 says. And basically that says, that's, that was saying, uh, that's what Hebrews 4, 15 is saying. When you hurt, Jesus hurts. And it's, it's like all these, even this scripture, all these scriptures, it's more than just scriptures. It's, it's more than just words. He says, my words are spirit and they are life. It's more than just a saying. Whenever you uh, meditate on the scriptures or quoting it, whenever something is taken away from you, it's a, a value. Maybe it's a loved one or a possession, a job, or health or whatever it may be. Whenever something is taken away from you, it's taken away from him, from Jesus. And when you lose a lost one, he lost a loved one. Um, when uh, Mary and Martha lost Lazarus, they mourned and cried. But Jesus, he also cried because something was taken away from him too, you know. And that's no matter what it is. So... We only know we only know the feelings of what what a loss is like is because our Father He gave us those feelings so we can feel them. So no matter how much pain we go through in this life, and we we don't never know the magnification of the pain that Jesus felt on the cross, or every even every situation and circumstance you go through. No matter how great it is, Jesus feels it much greater than you do. Our Heavenly Father, he feels it much greater than you can even imagine. I think he just gives you a little inkling of it. Our only sample of it, even the, the great pain that you feel in this life, he only gives you a little piece of it, you know, because he, he feels it so much more. You know, so um, as we go about uh, in our morning and praying, before before our father, you know, and through our disappointments in life, we uh, should be encouraged <laughs> because whenever we uh, go through our father in warning and prayer, uh, we don't have the, because the world, they mourn too, they cry too, you know. But First Thessalonians 4.13 says we, that we don't mourn like those who have no hope because we have hope. So, Whenever we mourn or pray, no matter what the situation or circumstance is, you know, we have a Father in Heaven who we can 
direct those things too, who uh, who not only can do something about it, but he wants to do something about it. Um, and also in Hebrews 4, 16, it says, that's why we can, uh, it says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And that scripture right there says, uh, it just says so much about coming before the Lord, our Father, and mourning. And uh, but mourning, that's that's coming to before God. Even though, like you see, as maybe we see it down here, is uh, being humble in the way it is. But it's also when we we come in before Him mourning. It's also we're coming before Him boldly because we're crying boldly. We know in our heart that uh, not only that he's listening, but that he has a power in his hand to do something about it. And then uh, at the end of the verse, it says, and find grace to help in time of need. And that word grace is, is, um, is so powerful. You know, sometimes grace is just like something that uh, that just gets us by, but that's not all it is. You know, it's the power. Grace is the power to overcome every situation or circumstance, no matter what uh the judge may say, the lawyer may say, the police may say, the doctor's report may say, whatever your body say, the grace, grace, that word, it, it covers it all, you know. Um, the death certificate says, the life certificate, whatever they, whatever title it uh, may want to give it, you know. Naturally, grace right there, grace to help and how many can change any and every situation or circumstance. So um, lastly, as we um, finish up this uh, uh, this, even though I call it the uh, Daniel Fast, they're also going to be kind of like keys to uh, having your prayers answered. But when we set our heart to understand and and when we we humble ourselves before our Father and when we pray, we know that he will give us grace. Second Corinthians uh, 12, verse 9 says, this is talking about the grace again, but he says to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. And I, uh, in this lesson, in this uh, podcast on um, Daniel chapter 10 verses 2 and 3 and this one right here where it says that Daniel prayed that uh, that you would walk in the power of grace that you would um, walk in mourning before the Lord and don't see see mourning just just as a weakness because he's going to replace it with, with his power and it's going to just rest on you in every situation and every circumstance and uh, I ask all these things, Father, in your name. Amen. Well, um, I, th- I thank everyone for uh, tuning in this evening. And I, I hope you were able to get something uh, out of the teaching of uh, the Daniel Fast and the three elements was for uh, to set your heart to understand, set your heart towards your Father, um, to humble yourself before him, and to use your words when you pray and 
and in those three things, they're, they're, uh, they seem like they're so connected, but they, they're all different and unique in their own way. But within those three things, always to uh, have a softened heart and warm before your father with a purpose and direction because uh, he he's going to respond, the comforter, <laughs> the comforter, you know, the Holy Spirit. Well, um, thank you. Dor- Dorothy, are you there? Yes, I'm here, and that that was an excellent lesson. I think it's very important to seek Father's heart because we are supposed to pray according to his will. So if we seek his heart, that will help us understand what his will is about a matter. So that was very good. Yes, and you find out in Daniel, he actually, that's why the uh, angel, after, after it says that uh, the angel was telling him, hey, this is why I came, and then he revealed to Daniel what was going to happen to the people. So, yeah, that, that is the whole purpose of it. And and uh, I hope that uh, this enhances and improves your uh, your prayer life and your communication with your Father in heaven. Have you decided what you're teaching next week? You can give us a little preview or Yes, yes. Actually I wanna I wanna this next week I wanna do start going through the uh the book of uh, Manifest Destiny like with each chapter. So it's uh Manifest Destiny the book I wrote the the uh, Path Towards Wisdom. And um I wanna break down some of the scriptures and kinda of go through that. We're the, we'll start off with the uh First, first chapter of it. So that's where where I want to go through for these next few weeks. And so if you if you have the book, fine. If you don't have the book, if you have your uh, the word or the word of God, the scriptures or oracles of God, that's that's even better, you know. So in a pen and paper to write down scriptures. That sounds excellent because you know I thoroughly enjoyed that book. So to share it with the listening audience that'd be a good thing oh excuse me yeah so the book is, so, it covers many different topics so we go through all of them we had to go through them kind of slowly so yes so that's what we'll be focusing on next good good yes. well I, I thank you and I thank all the listeners who uh, who tuning in and listening now and those who are tuning in and listen later and I, I, I pray many blessings upon you and that you have a wonderful and blessed week and uh, that you will set your heart to, towards the Father Amen to that, Amen Thank you Jameer and thank everyone for listening so we'll see you next week, that's going to be a good teaching as well have a blessed Thank week, you. everyone. God bless everyone. Good night, Jameer.